where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We look behind it, too, discovering the stories and the culture and the history and, of course, the people that make it all happen. I'm Gina Birch. We also taste a little wine along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm Julie Glenn. In fact, we love tasting wine, especially when it's served in the right glass. Circumstances at times have forced us all to consume wine out of vessels that are less than optimal, (laughs) like by the pool sometimes Mm -hmm. or with some type of plastic wine glass. Or when, you know, you have a friend who just kind of doesn't get it and they serve it yeah. to you like in a juice glass. And yeah. it's like, oh, thank you very much. I hope this wasn't worth a lot. Um, well, some European restaurants will put the equivalent of a bar glass in front of you and pour their house wine sometimes. And that kind of happens here occasionally. Yeah, it does. You get yeah. that red Solo cup. Mm-hmm. Throw it out. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I really appreciate going to a restaurant that has proper glassware for the wines. And I know it's not always economical for many of them when it comes to breakage and such. But there's no reason why we can't or shouldn't have proper glassware in our homes because it really does make a difference. And that's what we are going to uncover today. To help us understand what difference there really is, returning to the experts in wine glassware. Riedel is known worldwide and really given credit with revolutionizing the wine drinking experience. You'll know you have a Riedel glass by the way it feels in your hand. It really is different. And it also has their name on the foot of the stem. Yes. So you 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 call that part, right? The foot? I think so. We're going to find out. Joining us today is Maximilian Riedel. He's the 11th generation CEO and president of the family-owned glassware company. Uh, that, you know the company's 265 years old. Well, then they should know what they're doing. Yes, I think so. Hi, Maximilian. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yes. You know, we've been talking um, for quite some time about having a show on glassware, and uh, it's not just, you know, we're wine geeks, and it's not just for wine geeks. It's, I think, for a, a lot of people don't have the appreciation and don't understand it and uh, and how glassware helps you get the most out of your food and wine experience. So we're really glad you're you're going to help uncover the mysteries for us today. I will try to do my best, and let's not forget it connects our senses to the wine. So the wine glass is key to enjoy your wines at the very best. How did your family get into uh, the glass making business, and and specifically in targeting the wine industry? So as we already heard from Julie, 265 years in business, 11th generation, and my family since day one were either connected or actually, in fact, producing glassware. And in the old days, we were from Bohemia, which is now Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. We were producing glass jewelry, ornaments, and uh, the things that people needed of those times. And nowadays, we are in Austria after World War II. We relocated to Austria in Europe. And uh, since then, since the 1950s, we dedicated our focus to the the theme of wine and i think there is no better theme out there we all love wine (laughs) we enjoy wine and it unites the people so you know when we some people see glasses and they just see wine glasses like you go to the go you go to a store and there's just shelves and shelves full of them what makes your glasses different and so much more um uh, more perfect for wine yes thank you well it starts with the research My grandfather was very creative and he had a feel for design. We're talking the 1950s. People were drinking wine out of very small, 
but elegant, beautiful, lead crystal, highly decorated, maybe even colored glassware. Glass in those days had a value. It costed a lot of money to produce it and, of course, to own it. Nowadays, you can buy glassware anywhere from any country. Uh, but the real glass is different because we are grape varietal specific, which means that thanks to the winemakers with whom we have surrounded ourselves from all over the world, including North America, we have researched the grapes individually. We have learned so much about the grape and the grape makes all the difference. The quality of the grape, uh, the terroir, where it comes from, but it's the DNA of the grape itself that motivated us to shape glasses that allow us to taste, for example, Cabernet Sauvignon at its very best. One of the things that I've always loved about the Riedel glasses is that the lip up here at the top of, and so let's let's go over the structure real quick. This is the bowl, right? The, the, the main where the, part. Where the wine is, is considered the bowl. The little it's called the bowl, yes. And then the stick is called the stem, you know, the thing that holds it up called that makes stem. you not put your hand around your wine and warm it up. And then this base here, what is that called? Is that called the base or the foot? It's called the base. The base. It's called the, the foot. foot. It's called the base. And uh, we try to, yeah, to align all three elements. But for me, the bowl is most important. I'm also the man who invented the O-glass, the stemless wine tumbler. Ah. In 2004, living in New York, I needed space. You know, I was uh, <laughs> young and dynamic. So I wanted to make sure that my glasses not only survive the day and the morning <laughs> after. Well, you're still So the dynamic. stemless glass obviously came into, into place, but it's the bowl that makes all the difference. You can have no stem, a short stem, whatever it is, it's the bowl that makes the difference when it comes to wine enjoyment. Well, I also like the fact that the lip is very, very thin on your glasses. I, there's nothing I hate more than when someone hands me a cheap wine glass and it has like basically a speed bump. So you're creating this <laughs> like, you know, ruddy, yeah. like it's a, it's a big pothole as it's going towards your tongue. And it's supposed to have more of um, a relaxed, silky. easy, silky transition from the bowl to the palate. Am I right? I like the speed bump. It's actually maybe a, an aroma bump. So we call it in, uh, in our language, a rolled rim, a rolled rim. Mm -hmm. And you find this only in very inexpensive glassware because it, uh, it comes with a very inexpensive production method. The key is to have a very smooth transition from the glass onto your palate. So you don't want a speed bump in any way. So this is already when you feel the rim of a glass, you can already talk about the quality of a glass. Mm -hmm. So we have in front of us, you've got a new line out. You've got so many different lines. And I love that, that you keep reinventing and you don't just have one set of glasses. You've got all kinds. And these are the wine wings. Um, what Tell us about the wings, why they are the new big thing. Yeah, so obviously we're constantly researching, we're constantly trying to improve, but we're also trendsetters. So there is not only a fashion industry, uh, also the tabletop industry, uh, which seems to be forgotten, but people who like to dine at home, who like to invite friends and family, they always want to show off with a nice set dinner table. And let's not forget, Thanksgiving is around the mm -hmm. corner. So every year or every other year, we try to come forward with obviously our original concept, grape varietal specific, but it's, you can do much more than just an egg-shaped bowl. And so this new collection called Riedel Wine Wings, it looks like the glass has some wings. It has a very flat, flat bottom 
on which the wine sits. And then you have this, uh, um, how should I call it? We call it the wings, but you can also call it the laugh handles, for example. Good. So <laughs> these look familiar. somebody I'm wants like, to envision how it looks like, that's how it looks like. My love handles after, are a little bigger than those, but I get it. It's after a middle-aged woman's midsection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little bit of a, yeah, a little lump. Well, it's a good feel. It's a good feel. And uh, the wine will show itself perfectly in those new glasses. Each bowl is different, but if you're new to this collection, we put on the base the grape varieties. So Love there's it. no confusion when you buy or you give the glasses and at home you're thinking, my God, what did I buy? What should I pour into those glasses? So it has the grape variety on the base. Cool. That's it's dummy proof. It's, a footnote, if yeah, you will. A footnote. Foot. Because a lot of these glasses to the untrained eye can look very similar when you're just looking at them. It's like, oh gosh, is it a Chardonnay or a Sauvignon Blanc? And speaking of Chardonnay, we have poured a Sonoma Chardonnay in all four of our of the glasses we have. So we have white wine glasses and we have red wine glasses. So if you could lead us through, I know you go all over the world doing these uh, seminars on glassware and you do the, and, and it takes hours. So in like a few minutes, can you kind of give us like the cliff notes of how we can distinguish the difference and how it affects the wine so people listening can, can learn as well? Definitely, Gina. Thank you. Uh, yes, so we're conducting these kind of glass workshops all over the world it's open to consumers and uh, it's four different grape royal specific glasses so you have a glass for chardonnay and a glass for sauvignon blanc for whites and you have a glass for cabernet and pinot noir of mm -hmm. course we cover all other grape varieties as well but i think that those are the most common consumed and produced grape varieties in north america so that's the reason why i send you those four glasses okay. and it's very easy for people to repeat this at home. Also, if you don't have those glasses, just take four different vessels, starting with the wine bottle itself. Who and when was the last time you tasted wine from the bottle? I think that's very important. Last night. To understand why a glass is so a glass is early so this important. morning, probably about 3 a.m. You want to tip it up? Put your I lips hope in. Not. I hope not. I'm just kidding. But I think that's that's just breaking it down to yeah. to to the detail. Sure. It's super basic, yeah. You can't, if you have wine from the bottle, you don't smell it. And everybody who goes through a class learning more about wine, everybody preaches about the parfum, the smell of wine, which you will never get from the, from the bottle. So mm -hmm. use any glasses, different vessels at home, pour the same wine into it, and you will be surprised, even without using the proper real glasses, how different the wine can smell. And of course, it will taste. So if you have now the Chardonnay in the four different glasses in right. front of you, I suggest that you really swirl the wine in the glass one after the other and just start with smelling. Mm. Smell it from the first, second, third, and fourth glass. And every wow. time you would say, excuse me, that's a different wine. Yeah. yeah. It cannot be that you serve the same wine in front of me into four different glasses. It's like magic. And that's exactly where since the last my goodness, 50 yeah. years, my family has invested yeah. a lot of time and effort to come forward with the proper shape representing one grape variety. You know, uh, and, and, the, and, this, and the wine really swirls well in those uh, yeah, love I'm handles. Not, I'm not afraid of <laughs> it sloshing beautiful. it out of the top of the glass, which I've done. 
But the no. difference between no, the Soviet... I think Soviet it's very important, yeah. uh, Julie, that we don't overpour your glasses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to fill them up to the rim. Sometimes glasses are so big that it can hold a full bottle of wine. Well, we call that the Applebee's pour. And we want pour. to avoid yeah. this. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> called the Applebee's pour here. Yeah. Like when you yeah. come to a chain. Well, you know, <laughs> just smelling the two of these between in the Chardonnay and the Sauvignon Blanc glass, I get more, more of the... Um... It smells more like Chardonnay in the Chardonnay glass. Yeah, and yeah the you have this butteriness. Yeah. You have yeah. this... Uh, peachiness, you have, uh, the, for me, Chardonnay has this beautiful weight uh, in, 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 uh, in Parfum, and of course, a little bit of the vanilla zest that we mm -hmm. have in Chardonnay when it's oak aged. I almost lose the, the smell in the Pinot Noir in the cab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't, it's yeah. Not it, as... it, it, it like, it goes bye-bye. It's not as concentrated and, and nice as, um, so in the Chardonnay glass, the key here, I think, is the opening of the top. The size of the opening? Absolutely. For, okay. It's all about the upper third of the right. glass. It just kind of... And, and let's not forget in. that the difference between red and white wine, besides the fruit, is the skin. Mm -hmm. Is the tannin, which you only find in the red skin of a red fruit. So when we talk about Chardonnay, we shouldn't have this kind of... We, in wine, we have fruit, yeast, and that's all you need to make wine. Fruit, yeast. Then you can round it off with some oak when it comes to white wine. Mm -hmm. And only in the red wines, we have the tannin. So the red wine is always the biggest glass oh. on the table. Right. It's very easy to differentiate between a red and a white wine glass. And that has nothing to do with history or with tradition. It is that in red wine, you have fruit, yeast, you have... Uh, the oak and you have the tannin and that's the reason why the red wine glass the bowl is always the biggest hmm. it's, it's amazing the difference in the aroma and even the taste oh, between yeah. the sauvignon blanc glass and the the chardonnay glass well and 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 i'm and i'm ahead of you now i'm on to the the reds and you know okay. how the uh or the red glass how the perfume the the nose kind of disappeared in the bigger glasses mm -hmm. i'm not getting the fruit as much either Mm -hmm. um, I'm not mm -hmm. getting that. that. Exactly. As you said, Gina, that's exactly, it's all about the rim diameter. Yeah. Good for mm -hmm. red wines. We in general have a wider rim diameter. Uh, and that's also how the wine flows into your mouth. So it's very important. Just the next time you take a sip, close your eyes and pay attention to your head position. When you drink, uh, for example, a wine that has lots of acidity versus a wine has, which has less, which is Chardonnay. The biggest difference between the two glasses is the rim diameter. One could firmly eat the other. Right. So the Chardonnay glass has a much wider rim diameter. Mm -hmm. So when I drink from the Chardonnay glass, I don't move my head back. When I drink from the Sauvignon Blanc glass, where the, where the rim diameter is very much tapered in, your head moves further back to actually uh, accomplish a wine flow. And when you put your head back, what happens? Your tongue mm. comes out. So when we have a wine like Sauvignon Blanc or a Riesling that has a lot of acidity, I want to make sure that the glass guides it to the tip of my tongue. Mm. The tip of your tongue senses the fruit. Sweet. So if I have a wine that has lots of acidity, wow. I want to mellow down the acidity by having it at the tip of my tongue. Mm -hmm. And of course, you always have this wonderful minerality uh, when you actually swallow the wine in both wines. Right. So acidic wines need a smaller glass, a narrow rim diameter, and a Chardonnay, for example, needs a bigger glass 
because it has so much to show, so much fruit. And when you drink it, you want to have it at the center of your palate because some Chardonnays are lacking in minerality. And I want to boost the minerality thanks to the real glass. Mm. It is amazing. I'm, I'm now going to become an insufferable wine snob that has to have the correct varietal glass to go with my wine from yeah. now on. Because the difference is really astounding. You know, I've just never done this exercise, and it's incredible. Tell me what the um, wings, that little bump at the bottom of the bowl, what does that add to this new line? Sorry. Well, if you compare the classic Riedel glass mm -hmm. and the wine wings, with the bump, actually, we enlarged the bowl size. Mm -hmm. And the reason for oh, that is... Yeah the modern wine styles uh, and of course global warming which we shall never forget because fruit wine grows in the vineyard we have farmers who pick the fruit creating those wonderful uh, liquids wine and they deal every year with more and more of this kind of theme which is becoming what how should i call it everybody knows about global warming it's a fact uh, you feel it every day when you when you exit your house. Yeah. And so wine, the fruit uh, is changing. The hanging period on the vine is changing. So in general, we'll find, and I think it's sad, we find in all our wines more alcohol. Mm. And the, the more concentrated the wine is, the more alcohol we have, the more the glass has to grow. <laughs> in my That's... trade shows, people <laughs> say, Riedels are going crazy. Your glasses are becoming bigger and bigger. And I say, it's not my fault. It's not me. It's the wine industry that is changing. And when we remember Pinot Noirs, uh, 10, 20 years ago, they had 12% alcohol and now they have 14 and a half. You know, I never thought that one of the fallouts from global warming would be bigger wine glasses. I mean, that's a really interesting, I mean, there's, it, it, it affects things on so many levels. And uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. That's a very common question that I receive from journalists mm -hmm. who are obviously doing research. And they noticed your glasses are becoming bigger. And of course, the question is, how does global warming influence the glass industry, the designs that we have? And fact is, because of that, our glasses are growing in size. We have a cab. We have a little more time with you. I know we're getting close, but um, so we're going to go through this cab. It's, it's a little it's a Bordeaux style blend. It's, again, another Sonoma wine. Um, from Hamill Family Vineyards. I know we weren't going to say, and we had the Sea Slope Chardonnay from Sonoma on the other one. We'll put all this in our uh, cliff notes here at the end. But So do you want us to do the same thing? Do you want us to start with yes. the white classes and move our way down? I, I, I kindly ask you to empty the white wines. And very important for the listeners, there is nothing that you have to do with the glasses. You just empty them. Uh, no rinsing, no polishing in between. Go from one wine to the next. The okay. red wine will always dominate the white wine. So if you pour it to into the emptied glass, it will the, the, the little uh, parfum that is left over in the glass will be completely overshadowed by the red wine. I did a rinse. Julie didn't. So I, didn't. I, I love that you said that was unnecessary. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was at a tasting one time with a Cabernet producer, and he said, I'd rather have a little Merlot in my cab than water. <laughs> I agree with you. Yes. And, you know, I lived in New York for 15 years, and New York water has a certain taste to it, and mm -hmm. you don't want that in your wine glass. So now we've got this nice big cab in our glass, and I'm going back to the Chardonnay and the Sauvignon Blanc just for the nose. Mm -hmm. And I, I get yeah. not, hardly anything from the Sauvignon Blanc, maybe some cooked fruit. 
and a little it, bit, but you can smell yeah. it. I can smell it better in the Chardonnay glass. Yeah. I mean, it still smells a little lean, though. But please make sure that you always compare with the proper glass. So you should right. have the Cabernet glass in one hand okay. and compare it to the Sauvignon Blanc, to the Chardonnay, yeah. and the Pinot Noir glass because you always need to go back to our reference. I mean, right. there's a reason why we call it the Cabernet glass because to our senses, it's the best shape. Oh gosh. And we wow. develop our glasses in workshops together with the winemakers from Sonoma, from Napa, from all over the world who then confirm this is the proper glass for my fruit. Generally speaking, uh, we're going to taste through these two. Um, if somebody doesn't have room for all of these glasses yep. and they say, I can only have one or I can only have two, what would be a more universal style of Riedel glasses that somebody should just have that can cover a lot of ground? We don't have. We are <laughs> specific. You know, okay. it's like All playing right. golf, yep. playing uh, 18 holes with one club. It doesn't work. You need for every uh, occasion its mm -hmm. own glass. Or think about your shoe closet. Can you go with high heels no. uh, jogging? That's I, not work. You, that's something I can understand, the shoe closet. <laughs> like, there you go. To me. There you go. Now, we are very adamant, but of course, it's a very good question. Nobody can have all the different real glasses at home. So, Go by what you like. I mean, I am a Cabernet guy. Good. Mm. So I will have Cabernet glasses at home rather than a Syrah glass because that's the fruit I personally prefer. Got it. My spouse, she likes Chardonnay. So those are the two glasses I would start my collection with because we will use those glasses regularly. And then, of course, our, 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 our focus will change. Maybe in the fall, I'll drink uh, all of a sudden more Pinot Noir. I will need a Pinot Noir glass, but there is no need to start with all of them at once. Um, quick question. So say you're a Cru Beaujolais nut, which one would you use? Very good question. So mm -hmm. we have a Beaujolais glass and we developed this with the, the Boeuf family uh, many, many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. It's not a very popular glass, to be honest with you, because it's a very seasonable driven beverage. You know, it's a wine that is being released in November, I believe. And, uh, and, and then. Not Nouveau. Uh, no, 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 not, not Nouveau. The Cru Beaujolais. The Cru. Like Fleury. Ah, the Cru Beaujolais. Yeah, yeah. The good uh, out stuff. Out of the glasses you have, you have in front of you, mm -hmm. I would suggest maybe even the Sauvignon Blanc glass. Mm, okay. I was kind of leaning. So a smaller direction. glass, a smaller bowl with yeah. a more narrow rim diameter. Okay. Good to know. So I just tried the this cab in the Pinot Noir glass and the and in the cab glass. And you, I think people have this um, uh, preconceived notion that well, it's a red it's a red wine, a red glass. It should it should work, but it just it, the fruit it just wasn't there. The the voluptuousness yep. of the wine was not there. And uh, wow, this is really cool. Wow, in the Pinot Noir glass, it's really spicy. Yeah, champagne. Before we go, champagne. No, 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 no. We don't have a rush. And it's okay, very okay, important good. that I comment on this. Yeah, all right. Um, between Cabernet and Pinot Noir. Yes. Once again, our glasses are really tapered towards the DNA of the fruit. There's a huge difference between the fruit of Cabernet versus Pinot Noir. It starts with the thickness of the skin. Pinot Noir, and you can Google this, Pinot Noir is... Uh, very soft in tannin because the skin is very thin, but it is high in unbalanced acidity. So we need a glass that tapers in on the top and that brings the wine directly to the tip of my tongue, similar to the white wine glasses that we had before. But it needs the volumen, it needs the volume 
so it can cover uh, the alcohol of Pinot Noir, which is nowadays between 13 and even 15 percent. So that... Pinot Noir, thanks to the thin skin, soft in tannin, I want to have it at the tip of my tongue due to the acidity. Cabernet is completely different. Cabernet, if you have the, the berry in your hands, uh, it's a different berry. It's a smaller berry. It has a very thick skin. So the juice is much more dark red than on Pinot Noir. And therefore, it has powerful tannin, which allows the wine also to age forever, endless. Good. So it's, this is the beauty about Cabernet. And therefore, the Cabernet glass has a complete different rim diameter. It's much wider. Right. So I don't want to have it at the tip of my tongue. And if you take a sip from it, Gina, you'll notice that the wine does not meet the tip of your tongue. It goes to the center and rolls yeah, over the side exactly. wall of your palate. Totally skip the tip of my tongue. Completely. Yep. This is the Our glasses glass? are instruments yeah. and they are what I call the conveyor belt. I they convey it. the message of fine wine. That's so cool. Now, okay, so let's talk about rosé. We have Pinot Noir rosés. We have rosés made of yep. every red group of grapes. So how do we then uh, make that? Would we take a rosé of Pinot Noir and put it in the Pinot glass? Again, I would most probably take the smaller glass, your Sauvignon Blanc glass, okay. and you asked me about champagne. Yeah, I'm the man where the New York Times once wrote, it's his personal crusade. My <laughs> wish, no more flutes. I know. The flute is marketing you know mm -hmm. you don't drink anything else out of a flute but sparkling wine or champagne so that's great marketing but it does nothing for those beautiful wines all you get when you smell out of a flute is the yeast mm -hmm. True. and we only need the yeast to turn to turn fruit into alcohol good so i don't want the yeast i don't want this what people relate to as the bread when you smell the bread in wine no that's not good you want to smell the flowers you want to smell the mm -hmm. fruit of your wine. So serve your champagne in bigger glasses. He's like, if you want your to Sauvignon bread, Blanc glass to would be perfect. <laughs> your Sauvignon Blanc glass would be perfect for rosé champagne or a champagne where a Blanc de Noir, where the Pinot Noir fruit dominates, try it in the Pinot Noir glass and you will never go back. So, and I guess the coupe is just as bad as the flute because it just all disappears, right? With you know, champagne. The coupe is very, very fashionable. Mm-hmm. But whoever drinks champagne from a coupe uh, <laughs> cannot mean it seriously because yeah. it looks cool. Hollywood, Hollywood made oh, a yeah. big stink about it. They love it. Mm -hmm. That'd be great for but Prosecco. When you when you drink from a coupe and you, you and you actually you have to suck from the glass because it's otherwise you lose it in your face or on your lap. <laughs> the bubbles explode and all you get is foam, mm -hmm. and in the foam we have the acidity of the wine. So the coupe always makes champagne very acidic. And a lot of people wonder, oh. why do I get a heartburn when I drink champagne? Well, consider the glass you're drinking it from. Wow. Mm. Good I, to know. I just had a little mind-blown yeah, moment I'm right there. I'm having a lot of those. Wow. I have one more quick question. The stemless glassware that you have. I've always been told that the stem is there so that you don't heat up your bowl. So you don't have, you're not palming it like you're doing a cognac, you know? How does one properly hold a stemless one? So the stem is not there to not heat it up. I mean, this, yes, can happen if the wine is very bad, it's very hot outside, the party is very boring, <laughs> then you heat up the wine. But otherwise, we don't go to those. If you, we leave. If you, yeah. <laughs> happens. Otherwise, yeah. I tell you why there is a stem on stemmed glasses. Okay. Oh, so we can cheers? 
and make if it you sound hold pretty. the glass by the bowl you don't get this beautiful sound wow. Boy, of that crystal was glass beautiful do it again it's almost like meditating oh it is it's like oh, singing with a stemless glass you don't get it yeah also if you hold a stem glass by the bowl it sounds like this Good. So <laughs> that is a dud. <laughs> let the glasses cheer and ha- it puts a smile on everybody cheering yeah. with mm-hmm. wine in good glassware no the stemless glass was an invention of mine to not only serve wine in a wine glass some people don't have the space so they want to drink water from it a glass of milk from it a stemmed wine glass i would never use for any of that of those beverages and of course the stemless glasses you can stack so if you have a space problem, you can stack up to four glasses on top of each other with which a stemmed glass you cannot do. So for me, it was the solution to the question, can I, should I have so many glasses, then I have not, no more space in my kitchen cabinets. The old glass was the perfect answer. I love it. Out of necessity, mother uh, invention is the mother. Necessity, necessity is the mother of invention. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Backwards. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much, Maximilian. We had a great, uh, great time and a good learning experience. Great learning experience. I love when I learn things, and that experience was really um, eye-opening. And hopefully, everyone listening will take time tonight or this weekend and do the same thing that you you did with us. Like you said, just get a couple of different glasses, try the wine side by side, smell it, and put this podcast back on and, and listen to Maximilian's description of the acid and the tip of the tongue. I, I thought it was brilliant. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And always let your glasses sound good. Let them yes. cheer. <laughs> I love that. Maximilian Riedel is the CEO and president of Riedel. Thank you again for joining us. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Callaghan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check out greatminds.org. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thank you so much for listening. Under an August moon burning above